0: Thank you, Andrew. I will. So Tuesday evening, it is 7 o'clock here, our annual church council, um, and I want to invite you all there because one of the things I love about Mount Hope is, is it's a lot, uh, God's doing a lot uh, in our community. And so yesterday, I'll mention, we celebrated, we got together in Burlington and celebrated the 40th anniversary of Mount Hope Christian School, which was a really cool day, uh, and our principal Elaine Driscoll has been, I think this is her 27th year, they said, that she's been the principal. And when she took over the school, there were 68 students. Um, and now this year, there's 328 students at Mount Hope Christian School. And so you have Mount Hope Christian School, you have this amazing congregation here in Belmont, you have an amazing congregation in Burlington. And so the annual meeting is a, is a time to come together and really celebrate all that God is doing among us. And uh, if you're curious about how does money get stewarded, how do, you know, the financial reports are all made available and all that good stuff. And then also we have to elect three deacons this year. That's really unusual for us. Uh, We only have four deacons total and we have to elect three new deacons to the board because uh, two were up anyway for reelection. And then one person moved uh, down South, Uh, they sought warmer climate. And so we we need to elect three of those positions. So if you are a member of the church uh, it, w- it would be really, really uh, wonderful if you can join us Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. You got to be here. All right? No virtual option <laughs> for this one. But we're looking forward to that. I feel, like, I feel like you've been sitting listening for just a minute. So could you just do me a favor? Just wave to someone. Give them an air high five. Say hi to someone around you. Turn around. You know what I mean? Just be glad that we're here together uh, in person. If you've been with us, you, uh, did everyone get a card like this? Did everyone get a card that looks something like this? If you didn't get a card, once again, Patrick and Maria, they're phenomenal. They're in the back. Uh, raise your hand. We'll get you a card. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, hey, boy, Adam pressure how you doing? It's good to see you. Sorry to call you out. Uh, speaking of anxiety, I'm calling people out from the stage now, but it's great to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, so... Uh, And by by the way, they they went home to Bulgaria. That's why we haven't seen them in a while. I'm not calling them out for not being a church. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) it's a legitimate excuse. If you're in Bulgaria, you don't have to show up on Sundays, all right? (laughs) Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. We have them on the card here. There's a lot of blanks, all right? We've asked you to be memorizing these verses over the last few weeks, and I'm curious. Does anyone feel like they have it? Anyone have these? No one, no one wants to give it a shot. That's all right. We're going to read them together. So if you look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, you could look in the Bible uh, that's in that, those black Bibles. Andrew gave you that page number and read it. Or you could really challenge yourself and, and look at the card. All right, here we go. Will you read this with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God, and the God of peace will be with you. I gotta tell you, I feel like I have these verses, and then I look at all those blanks, and I start to get nervous. I don't even have my nice little cheat screen in the back, but thank you for reading those verses with me. We've been talking about uh, anxiety, and if Paul says, be anxious for nothing, how do we actually live that out? Wouldn't that be great? And so we've been talking over the last few weeks, and what we said the first week is we said, when what is unknown makes you anxious, celebrate what you know about God. And we talked about that first command that Paul says, rejoice. Right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And then we said, let, be, live contagiously calm. Let your reasonableness, or many translations translate that gentleness. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness be made known to all. And then we said, uh, take it to God in prayer and leave it there, right? Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. I was at the 40th anniversary celebration uh, yesterday... And a woman came up to me and she said, uh, because I preached in Burlington last week, Pastor Rick was here in Belmont, and a woman who I had never met before came up to me at the celebration and she said, Pastor, I was in church in Burlington last week. And she said, I left and this week I got food poisoning and it was the worst, right? I was home for for two days, uh, had the food poisoning. And uh, she said, I tried it. I came before the Lord in prayer and I thanked him For who he is in the midst of me being sick. And she said, it was amazing how my heart and mind changed uh, when I did that. I loved hearing that testimony. So today and and next Sunday, uh, we'll finish up this sermon series together. And today we're going to talk about this phrase that Paul says in verse 8, where he calls you and me to think about these things. And we're going to talk through that. And next week, we'll talk about practicing these things. uh, And then we'll move into our global outreach celebration as as uh, Andrew said. I want to mention, uh, I want to mention that after these verses in Philippians, Paul says something else that we really ought to pay attention to if you and I want to live this life of freedom from anxiety and all these other things that we've been talking about. If we want calm in our life, we want peace, the peace of God to guard our hearts and our minds. Paul, we have all our divisions within the text. And you look at your Bible, and you get to the end of these verses, and then there's this little heading. Well, when Paul originally writes the letter. There's none of these headings. We added those later. There's no verse numbers. He's just writing a letter to a church. And so really when he's writing the letter, all of these things flow together. And sometimes those divisions really help us, and sometimes they separate things a little bit unnecessarily. And we got to pay attention to how all these things flow together. And there's something that Paul says after these verses that I want to bring into the conversation this week. We haven't talked about it yet, but if you're familiar with Philippians 4, my guess is you know these verses. And if you don't know these verses, I'm excited for you to hear them this morning. Paul says just after these verses in verse 11 of chapter 4, not, not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Wouldn't that be awesome? Can you say that? Right now, I can't say that. I have not learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I wish I could say I had. But it's a work in progress. I know how to be brought low, Paul says, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I think that what Paul says in in this verse that we're going to look at today correlates exactly to the secret that he's talking about for contentment. Wouldn't it be great to know that secret? The secret for contentment, contentment's a hard thing, isn't it? I feel like Lori and I have three young children, uh, and they are uh, 10, 8, and 4, right? And, and I feel like we're trying to teach contentment, and it's a really hard thing. Dad, can I have a piece of candy? Sure, you can have one piece of candy. Can I have two? No, you can have one. Why can't I have two? A second ago, you had zero, right? And now I'm telling you, you can have one. Why don't you be thankful for the one that you can have rather than trying to get two, right? Can I use my tablet for 10 minutes? Yes, you can use your tablet for 10 minutes. How about 15? All right, it's immediate. How about 15? How about 20? No, you can use it for 10. Why can't I use it for 20? Why don't you be grateful for the 10? Not asking for the 20, but I'll tell you this. If I'm honest, I don't know that as I grow up, I get much better than, with this. I don't know that I get much better. God says, hey, I've blessed you with a job. You make this amount of money. And I think to myself, well, wouldn't it be just better if I could make a little bit more money? I think that would be better if I could make more. And why don't I just be thankful for the job that God's given me that provides for my needs than wanting more? And same thing with anything that you look at, clothes, house, anything that we think might make us happy. The first time we pray for it, we get it and we say, well, maybe, maybe just a little bit more might might do it. As it reminds me of, of when Tom Brady was interviewed on 60 minutes and the interviewer asked him, what's your favorite Super Bowl ring, right? And does anyone remember what he said? Oh man, you know this better than, than, than Philippians chapter 4. <laughs> you know the Tom Brady interview from 60 minutes, but no one can say Philippians 4. Uh, the next one, right? And there's this good part, there's this good part of that drive to be better and succeed, but then there's this contentment piece where we live like, oh, the next thing will make me content. Well, maybe the next thing. Well, maybe the next job. Well, maybe the next thing. Maybe the next thing. Maybe the next. next." And Paul comes in and says, listen, I've learned the secret. And I love that he says learned, because it's not some magic gift that Paul has that you and I can't have. Paul says, I've learned this. I've learned to do this over time. And I think this verse 8 and 9 that we're going to talk about over the next two weeks then flows right into this secret of contentment that Paul talks about. And we ought to pay attention to how they relate back to one another. Because Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 8, and this is the section of that passage we're looking at today. Finally, brothers and sisters, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure— Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. And I think what Paul is saying to you and to me is that finding the secret to contentment begins by thinking what you think about. If the secret to contentment begins by thinking what you think about, Paul uses a very interesting Greek word when he writes that word, think. And in fact, I believe, I was trying to look this up, I I think that it might be the only, I think, that it might be the only time in the New Testament that this word is used. But the word is logizomai. Logizomai. And that word, you can picture the Greek word, the very first part of that word is where we get our word, logic. And Paul's saying, don't, don't just get a feeling, right? Don't get a feeling, but think about these things. Use your brain that God's given you to think specifically about certain things. And when Paul uses a word like that, where he talks about being intentional about what we think about, it takes me to, to many of the things that are, that are being said in our world, because learning the secret to, con- to contentment isn't just a biblical idea. It is big business in our world. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago that I read that the meditation industry will gross over $2 billion in the US alone in 2022. And the self-help industry, right, will, will gross billions more. And I'm actually not here to, to preach against a lot of that stuff because there's some things there that can be really helpful. And learning to think about what we think about. You might hear the phrase, right? Develop a positive mindset. Well, there's actually something that's good about that idea. Because the brain that God gave you works a certain way, and that is it can be trained. In neuroscience, they use the phrase that neurons that fire together, wire together. Because the science shows that if you think a specific direction, that grooves are formed in the brain. And now I'm not an expert in this, but I've been trying to read about it and understand from people that are, that grooves are formed in your brain and that if you actually start thinking in a different direction, different grooves will be formed. And it's like Andrew said this in one of our preaching meetings. I thought this was a great picture. He said, it's almost like blazing a trail through the jungle, that the first time you try to think a new way, you have to get out the machete and you got to start hacking down some vines and some branches and, and find a way through the brush and the trees But then you come back and you do it again, and then you're starting to mat down the things that are left. By the the 50th time you do it, you have a brand new path through the trees that is easy to navigate. And it's almost like the brain works like that. That if our minds are focused on anxious thoughts, our our brain gets trained. It's like learning to type on a keyboard, it's muscle memory. Your brain gets trained to think that way. And the neurons that fire together wire together. But you can learn to think differently. And there's something really true about that, that I want to affirm to you. And Paul says, do this. Use the brain that God's given you in the way that God's created it to change what you think about. And I actually want to invite a, a special a guest that is here with us this morning to talk with us for a couple of minutes about this. So if you have been with us over the last couple of years, you know that a couple of years ago, Uh, Mount Hope partnered with uh, a group called Church Therapy Associates. And what that group does is it partners local churches with students who are studying uh, counseling at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And so we had Juke Young with us for uh, maybe about uh, over a year, I think we had Juke Young with us. And many of you were able to meet her, some of you were able to meet with her, which was phenomenal. And so Juke Young has graduated and moved out uh, into her beginning her practice. And so now we have Emily McLean here with us. So would you welcome Emily as she comes forward? You know, Emily, I'd love for you to... Thanks for being here, by the way. Glad yeah, thank you're here. You. And we're glad you're a part of this. And I, I would love for people in our church to get to know a little bit more about your story and what this partnership with Church Therapy Associates looks like uh, for us at Mount Hope.
1: Yeah. Well, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me on this? Great. Um, So again, my name is Emily McLean. I study at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. This is my final year, so I've moved into the internship portion. Um, So I have seen some clients at the Burlington campus. I visited there a few weeks ago, and I'm happy to be here with you guys today. Um, So currently a student at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. In addition to that, I've been in the Massachusetts Army National Guard for the past 12 years. Um, And I've had the privilege of serving in specific roles in the National Guard that have kind of developed um, some passions in me. For instance, I worked as a sexual assault response coordinator for the National Guard for a couple of years full-time, so um, while I haven't counseled people clinically with trauma, I have a lot of exposure to trauma and a lot of education surrounding trauma, so that's definitely one thing. I really have a passion for and some experience working with. Um, I'm also a follower of Jesus. I gave my life to Christ about eight years ago and have been serving at East Coast International Church for the past six years or so. You might be familiar as they're part of the Assemblies of God movement here. Um, And in um, Lynn, right? Yes, in Lynn and Revere. So, similar to you guys, we have a a separate location as well, which is always an exciting opportunity. Um, So, with uh, Church Therapy Associates, as Pastor Brian said, we partner with our local churches, and so essentially, the church provides a space for the counselors to meet, um, and is available to refer people like you serving or or attending in the congregation to access our counseling services. Um, So this is all provided at a very low cost, Um, so depending on your income level, we have kind of a tiered approach of fees and whether or not you would like to see the counselor weekly or biweekly. But I'm prepared to walk with you with uh, things like depression, anxiety, um, maybe some uh, wanting to build some strength in your marriage, Um, different life transitions often produce um, different feelings within us. So um, if this sounds like you or if you want to ask me any questions after the service, I'd be happy um, to talk to you, to give you my business card to follow up. Um, But altogether, I'm just very excited to be here and to meet you all today.
0: Yeah, thanks, Emily. And I think... What we found over the past year and a half or so, is just such an awesome opportunity for people in the church to have access to a good Christian counselor. I think if, if you've tried to get good Christian counseling in the Boston area, there are some awesome people that are out there, but they are booked up forever, uh, and it is, it's really hard to get on their calendar, um, and so to have someone who par- is partnering with us at Mount Hope is really helpful. But I'm curious, uh, Emily, as you think about this what Paul says in Philippians 4, you think about this sermon series that we're in, you think about even what we're just talking about now uh, and thinking about what you think about. What would you you say to us uh, as Christians?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be here for this specific message. Um, And personally, I've had a lot of experience being in counseling myself. um, And there's a practice called cognitive behavioral therapy that um, integrates very well within the Christian worldview because it really is based on thinking about what you're thinking about. It targets, you know, listening to whatever that inner voice is maybe saying that, you know, you're not good enough, or you're going to fail at this, or you've already ruined this, so why try, you know, to even salvage it? Like, those moments where we realize that that voice is kind of driving us into certain behavior, and instead, we can look at that and say, this is the voice that I'm hearing within myself. This is my inner talk right now. Is it true? Like, like Paul says, is this true? That's one of the things that we can, you know, talk about together in the session. Like, what is the evidence that this thought is even something that I should accept to be true and allow to drive my behavior? So we can sit and just say, you know, it, and we can talk about where did that thought come from? Maybe in your family, you had a rough upbringing and something that your parents said to you or something a teacher said to you is kind of just in your mind as you've been formed and as you've gone throughout your life, you're realizing, you know, this is kind of the narrative that I've been holding onto, and it's starting to impact how I'm living my life and how I see myself. Um, So I truly, I I love being here during this message because um, I've benefited from looking at my anxieties and looking at some of my behaviors kind of through that lens, Um, and it's a practice that I'm, I'm working with clients, utilizing that framework as well, and I just find it to be so beneficial. Um, so, and I, just to echo what Pastor Brian said earlier as well, I've, I've also experienced the trying to find a counselor at this you know post slash still happening pandemic um, place where many people, if they can take you, they can take you virtually. Um, and if that's really not your preference or it's hard for you to access things online, um, I'm just happy that I have the opportunity to meet with clients in person um, I, I have quite a bit of availability still as I'm at the beginning of my internship right now, so I'd love to talk with you and see if we can work something out.
0: Yeah, and I love, I love the experience that you bring, Emily, with your, your work in the National Guard and being on staff at a church, and you know that's, that's in our tribe of the Assemblies of God, too. Uh, that's, that's all fantastic, so we're glad that you're here. I will say, too, listen, I've been a Christian a long time. Grew up in the church, my family was there multiple times a week, You know, got serious about this thing when I was in high school um, and probably needed to see a good Christian counselor uh, a lot sooner than I did, which was just a couple of years ago. Uh, And by the way, you would not find someone more skeptical than me. You talked to the early 30s version of Brian, I would have been, I would have been very skeptical about, about this. Um, But you talked to early 40s version of Brian and, um, and like God has really used it really used it. And um, finding, I, 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 I think too, finding someone that has the same trust in Jesus Christ that has that as a foundation can be really helpful. Um, so this is the opportunity that we're really happy to offer you uh, through, through the church and through Church Therapy Associates. So can you thank Emily for being here this morning and, thank and sharing you. with us? Thanks so much, Emily. Thank you. Um, So Paul says to you and to me, you want to get started on this secret to contentment? You got to think about what you think about. But I want to say two more things fairly quickly. Um, The secret to contentment that Paul brings us, though, is not just thinking what you think you should think about. Follow me for a moment, okay? The secret to contentment is not you just thinking what you think you should think about. Or what I think I should think about or what cultural psychology tells me I should think about. That's not the secret to contentment that Paul brings us. And I think that's really important to, to make clear. Because the challenge that you and I have is that, is that the, the sin that's in the world, the brokenness that's in the world, that affects everything. And it affects my mind, and it affects my heart. So yes, I can come and I can bring to my mind the understanding of how God has created my mind to work. And I'm thankful to live in a day and age where we understand that better than ever before. And so I can create the new grooves, I can create the new pathways, and I can think the way that God wants me to think. But we've been using this Max Lucato book uh, together as... Uh, anxious for nothing it's called as a as a helpful guide through this passage and one of the things that he says is he says the enemy that is satan knows the knows the way your brain works and he knows where it's vulnerable and despite our best effort there's still vulnerabilities there is a cure that needs to take place here ultimately And so even while I'm retraining and training and practicing disciplines, ultimately I need a cure for what is wrong with my mind and the brokenness that exists in this world. There's a book called Crucifixion by Fleming Rutledge. You've heard me mention it a few different times uh, if you've been with us over the past few months. But one of the things that she really helped me understand in that book and brought to mind is that we often talk about sins. Like, God, forgive me for my sins. And that's that's an important thing to talk about. I lied. I cheated. I stole. Forgive me right? Sins. But we don't talk enough in church about sin. The power of sin, which Paul talks about throughout his letters. The force of sin that affects everything in our world. The devastation from Hurricane Ian is a result of the force of sin and brokenness in our world. It affects everything, and it affects my heart and my mind, and what I need is a cure for that. It reminds me of, so Thursday... Uh, my four-year-old daughter, Nora, um, she she went into the hospital and had surgery. And you want to talk about anxiety as parents, right? You're talking about anxiety of parents and taking your four-year-old into into surgery and having her go under general anesthesia. But from the, from the time that she was born, this was a relatively minor surgery. And yet still, I mean, anytime your child's going under general anesthesia, you get a little nervous, right? Uh, this is a minor surgery, but since she was born, she had ear infections, and we had tubes and and those helped stop the ear infections but but they they never quite stopped over the first four years of her life and the fluid that was behind her eardrums there remained there, and then she she uh, you know, has, has trouble breathing sometimes. And so the doctors over her first four years of her life have tried different things. We've been on antibiotics a lot. Uh, we had tubes when she was a baby. We've tried all sorts of different things. And finally, the surgeon came to us and said, listen, we're going to have to go in and we're going to have to take out her adenoids. They're just too big and they're not disappearing the way that they normally do in a child. So we got to go in and we got to remove those and make those right. I mean, this is her five minutes after surgery. The recovery was unbelievable. I saw her five minutes after surgery, and I was like, why in the world were we ever nervous about this? This was phenomenal, right? And she's doing great. She's doing great even today. But you know what it is, is we tried all sorts of different things to fix this problem. But someone had to go in, someone with the ability to do it, had to go in and to make it right. And it's the same thing with our minds. That we should and we can try many things to correct our thinking and build new pathways and all those things. But what we need is the God who created our minds to come and provide the cure. So the secret to contentment is this. That you and I need to think about what God says to think about. And what is it that God says to think about? Well, it's right there in his word. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And this week, I kept, I, I kept going, saying in my mind, okay, what does God's word say is true? And what does God's say, word say is honorable? And what does his, God's word say is just? And I looked through and I said to myself, okay, what does God say about this? If he's telling us to think on these things, what is it that is true and honorable and just in all of these words that we find in this passage? So if you flip over the card that you have in your hand, you'll notice on the back of the card are all of these words and phrases. And I'm going to give to you some verses that I found. These are not the only verses that I think could be used uh, to, to talk about what is true and honorable and just. But I want to give you a starting point. And my encouragement to you is that you would go home and find time this week to do some reflection in God's word and in your own heart and mind and say to yourself, okay, what is true about God that I can think about this week? What is lovely about God that I can think about this week? What is, where is there excellence when it comes to knowing God that I can think about this week and to train your mind to think about those things. As Paul says. So what is true? I think there's a lot of verses we could go to, but here's the one that I went to. John 14:6, Where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That Jesus Christ himself is true. God's word is true. We could go there. All sorts of places you can go for truth in God's word. What is honorable? I thought about Revelation 4, verse 11, this picture of the end where people are worshiping God, worshiping the Son, and saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Just. Deuteronomy 32, 4, this is Moses talking. He says, the rock. I love, I love that word for God. It's not just Dwayne Johnson. It, God had that before, all right? The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness, and without iniquity, just and upright is he. That God is just. What is pure? The words of the Lord are pure. They're like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times, Psalm twelve six says. I was looking at that word, lovely, and it talks about, um, lovely is, is something that's beautiful to look at, beautiful to gaze upon, and I thought about Psalm 27, verse 4, where the psalmist says, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Commendable acts of the Lord are commendable. In Psalm 145, the psalmist says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. What about excellence? 2 Peter 1.3 Peter writes, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory God is excellence. In 2 Samuel 22, 4, we read, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Now I think there's a lot of verses throughout scripture that we could go to to understand these terms better. But here's a starting point to think about the things that God calls you to think about, His words, His acts, who He is, that He is excellent and worthy of praise, that He's the only one who is worthy of praise, that He is worthy of honor. And that we begin to think about those things, because I don't know about you, but when I reframe the problems of this world in light of who God is, it's amazing how contentment comes. So Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being in plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. When what is unknown makes you anxious, Develop a godly mindset. Focus your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on him, we read at communion. Focus on what is true about God, what is just and pure, honorable, commendable, and excellent, worthy of praise. I'm all for developing a positive mindset, like I said. That's the phrase that gets used in our culture. I think there's a lot of benefit and good that can come from that. But as Christians, we understand there's a cure that needs to take place here. And so it begins there, but it doesn't stop there. It goes further. So we focus on who God is, that He is the restoring God, that He is the one that has the power to make all things new. And we find great contentment in that reality. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back uh, to the stage as we close this morning. My sister, my sister runs marathons. And, you know, speaking of people's minds being out of place, I think anyone that would run a marathon has some work to do. Uh, You know, I don't understand that mindset, but, but God bless you if you can do it. She runs marathons, and I remember asking her one time, because I'm always confused how someone could actually complete that whole task. Um, I enjoy running sometimes, but if it's longer than like three miles or two miles, that's that's it for me. I can't imagine going 26.2 miles. And she said, you know, if I am running and I look at my feet, the race is overwhelming. So there's no possible way I could run 26.2 miles and look down at the ground in front of me. She said, my secret to, ma- to comp- actually completing the race is to learn how to keep my eyes up and focused on the horizon. Because if I keep my eyes up and focused on the horizon, then I can keep running. Then it seems achievable, like I can do it. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you feel overwhelmed by this world and things that are happening around you, I bet one of the things that needs to happen in your life is that you would pick your head up. Stop focusing on the ground. Stop focusing on everything that's happening in this earth right in front of you. Get your eyes focused on Him. Keep your head up because when you look at Him and you see that end and you see that eternity in His presence, you can run the race. You can keep going. Listen, you may need help along the way. I need help along the way. There's something about picking your eyes up and looking at the author and the perfecter of our faith, as that writer in Hebrews said. It gives us the strength to keep going. So if you come in this morning worried, burdened, pick your head up. Look at Him. Think about these things. God, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord that we can focus our eyes on you and find the God that is true and the God who is pure and just and worthy of praise and excellent and commendable. All of these things that we that we read about in Paul's letter. God, that you are those things. Lord, I pray for the person here this morning who needs to pick their head up and focus their eyes on you. God, help us by your spirit to be able to do that. Renew our minds in Christ Jesus. Transform our minds. Do your work as only you can do. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you, if you would, to stand, to stand and sing this song. And I'm just gonna offer... I'm in the back there while we sing this last song. If you need someone to pray with you this morning, come find me in the back. I'd love to pray with you before you.